With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're home alone. You have an uneasy feeling in the darkness. Like someone or something is watching you. Why is it suddenly cold in this room? You hear footsteps, whispers, or even laughter. You go to check. You feel a presence behind you. And then the fear sets in. I'm K-Town, and you're listening to Paranormal Fears. living in California now, but I'm originally from Guam. And I had an aunt who was Japanese. And when I was around six or seven, she would tell me Japanese ghost stories. And, you know, I'd go to bed at night, I'd check the claws, I'd check under the bed, and I'd wonder, do ghosts really exist? But it was the seed of a fascination I had uh, with the idea of ghosts. And it was a fascination that literally grew as I grew. And eventually I started investigating the idea of whether ghosts exist or not in the 1970s. I think around 1975, 1976, I started, you know, trying to find out what people did and didn't do to determine whether ghosts exist. So... In the 1980s, I started a group called uh, the Rocky Mountain Ghost Hunters Alliance. And one night, I actually, I was living in Denver at the time. I came here to California to meet with a woman who had taken a picture she posted on the internet and asked, you know, if anybody could help her with it. And when she told me her story, which had taken place on a Halloween night. Uh, she was taking pictures with her digital camera, handed it to a CNA. I'm sorry, I should mention she's an RN and the head of uh, the psych ward in a particular hospital. She handed the uh, her digital camera to somebody, a CNA, as I was saying, and asked her to take you know some pictures of her and her nurses. Now, they weren't allowed to t- to wear uh, costumes because of the nature of their uh, patients in that ward. But in one of the pictures that was taken, you can clearly see a man wearing a mask. He had no sclera, no whites in his eyes. And, you know, she asked, can anybody help me with this? And I interviewed her over the phone and I went out to California 
to um, interview her in person, interview the rest of the staff who were very reluctant to talk to me because they had all been threatened with being fired if they did. And I ended up buying this medallion that this one man was wearing that the guy with the mask was standing next to. And I brought it back to Denver, and I mentioned during a meeting of the Rocky Mountain Ghost Hunters Alliance that I had this medallion. And one of my members said, uh, have any of you seen, I think it was a haunted painting or something like that. Maybe it was a haunted clock on eBay. And I said to her, they have haunted items on eBay? She goes, oh, yeah, there's a lot of them. So the next day I went on to eBay, and I was absolutely fascinated. There were literally a lot of, quote, haunted objects. And I wanted to write a book. I'm the author of several books now. But um, I wanted to write a book about haunted eBay. In fact, I was going to call it Haunted eBay, Are You Going to Believe Me or Your Lying Eyes? And so I started buying items that I thought, you know, might have some validity to them. And I would, when I would get them, I would run tests on them, EVP tests, um, EMF tests, uh, you know, uh, photographs, because that's pretty much what the field was limited to at the time. And then I would take it to a, a clairvoyant I knew who I trusted and ask her to do a, a blind reading on it. In other words, she wouldn't know what I was bringing until I showed it to her. And, you know, see if what she said about the object matched what the uh, seller said about the object. And I planned on writing a chapter on each item that I had. So I, I collected dolls, I collected toys, I collected paintings. And, uh, I pretty much decided I'm done. And actually what happened was the Divic box, which is so famous now, uh, was up for auction. And I tried to bid on it and was turned down by eBay. eBay actually, I don't remember what they said exactly. And, um, yeah, I thought, okay, I'm done. And then one day I got a wild hair up my butt and went back on eBay and I saw a listing that said uh, something along the lines of eBay's uh, most haunted doll is back up for sale or something like that. And it was about Harold the Haunted Doll. And I really wasn't going to bid on it, but... There was, and this was back in 2004, by the way, but there was a reserve on it. And I had this thing whenever, when it came to reserves. If somebody had a reserve on something, I really didn't care. You know, it could have been, you know, a negligee and hooker heels. I would have been on it just because I wanted to see what the reserve was. So I bet, or I bid. $300 on the doll thinking he probably wanted 40 bucks for it. But, you know, I do the woman or I do the seller a favor and run it up a little bit. And she immediately wrote to me and said, you know, why do you want this doll? And I wrote back and I said, I really don't. I was just interested in your reserve. And the reserve was $295, by the way. That's and, amazing. <laughs> 
That's that's amazing, Ashley. I thought it would be a lot higher than that. Oh, <laughs> well, it eventually did come out to be a lot higher. But the next thing she wrote back to me, her name was Kathy. Next thing Kathy wrote back to me was, um, I don't believe that the doll is haunted. I do believe it's cursed. Well, what a great way to open up a conversation. So we started talking. And sure enough, a couple of moments later, somebody did outbid me by like $5. So the bid was $305. And he also included a note to me that said, don't bother bidding anymore. I'll just outbid you. This doll is mine. Well, I had a horrific uh, testosterone problem. And I thought, well, Val, it may be yours, but it's going to cost you. So I outbid him. And he outbid me again. And this went on for, I think, two weeks. And, yeah, we just kept outbidding each other. And then finally, it was the final moments of the of the auction. And I put some ridiculous amount in as a proxy bid. <laughs> and I thought, you know, if you, if you outbid me here, you know, you really do want this doll. And I think it was like four minutes to go. And I waited. And I waited and I waited. I remember thinking, oh, he's going to snipe, you know, this auction for the last minute bid at the end before I have a chance to respond, which was fine with me. And uh, all of a sudden it said, congratulations, you win. So now I was stuck with a doll I didn't want, paying $720 for the doll. And... um, Kathy wrote to me and said, you know, I'll tell you what, I know you didn't want the doll. So, uh, you know, you don't have to pay me. I'll just, you know, file a non-compliance or whatever. I can't remember what it's called now. Uh, And, you know, you don't have to pay for the doll. And I wrote, well, a bit, I mean, a deal is a deal. I won the doll. I'll send you the money. You know, you send me the doll. And I sent her a cashier's check for $720, and she wrote me back. She said, I'm going to hold the doll for two weeks in case you change your mind. And I said, no, you know, a deal is a deal. Two weeks later, she sent the doll, and she watched it get put into the bin. And this was in Dublin, Ireland. She watched it get put into the bin, and on her way back home, she heard that the entire Irish Postal Service had gone on strike and she was convinced it was because of Harold the doll. Really? So, wow. mm-hmm. yes, absolutely. Anyway, um, I had been buying so many things. Every day was like Christmas. And I would stand outside, wait for the mailman. And uh, you know, he, he pulled up in his little station wagon. And he said, hey, Anthony, I've got a monster for you today. And I was like, really? He goes, oh, yeah. And I went down because I thought, you know, it's going to be something huge. And I saw, you know, mail, uh, mail delivery guy said, you know, I have a monster for you. And I saw a package there that was addressed, had a return address of Dublin. And I thought, oh, you know, Harold's here. Anyway, I put the, the uh, package on my table. And because of all the stories Kathy had told me previously, I really was, you know, hesitant to um, – open it, but I did. And I remember looking at thinking, well, I spent $720 on probably the ugliest doll I've ever seen in my life. 
And so I took pictures, I took EMF readings, I tried doing an EVP recording and I um, nothing came of it. And I thought, well, you know, I have one more shot at this. So I called my friend April and asked her if she would meet with me to uh, do a reading. And I didn't tell her what the reading was about. And we agreed and we met for, for lunch. And uh, I pulled Harold out of the doll, out of the bag he came in, which was a Dwayne Reed bag. And she said, oh, you have Harold. And I said, yeah, you know about Harold? She goes, yeah, it's all over the internet. And it's true. I mean, it was probably close to half a million views on the uh, very first listing of the doll, which would have been, I think, 2003 or 2002, 2003. And then there was even more when Kathy listed it. So um, I almost put it back in and I decided to go ahead. And so I pulled out a bottle of holy water because I am a, a Roman Catholic and a crucifix and laid him down next to the doll. And then I started sprinkling the doll with holy water in April, you know, chuckled and said, you know, you're sprinkling a doll with holy water? And I said, yeah, well, better safe than sorry. Anyway, she is a psychometrist. She can pick things up and tell you the history of the object simply by feeling it. And um, so she started to do her reading. And I'd known April for like six, seven years at that point. And very quickly, and I was, by the way, I was recording the reading as well as, you know, for the book. And very quickly into it, I'd say, you know, just over a minute into it, she, you know, had tears in her eyes. She said, Auntie, I'm sorry, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. And I said, why not? And she said, um, she had a heart condition. And Harold just threatened to kill her, and it felt like he was grabbing her heart. And I remember thinking, I've known you for like seven years. This is the first time I've ever heard of your heart condition. So I didn't believe it, to be very honest with you. But I put the bag, I put the doll back in the bag, took it home, and pulled out the recording. Didn't think I'd get anything on it because I didn't when I previously tried. Turned it on, and when, oop, just a moment. and. Anyway, turned on the recording, and, you know, I could hear her talking. First thing she said was, you know, something about a child abuser or an abused child. And you hear, or I heard, this really loud roar, almost like a, a, a lion roaring. And then, you know, she started doing the reading, and all, and then she, you know, actually what happened was um, – she said something about uh, the holy water, laughing about me sprinkling the holy water. And again, you know, you could hear a very upset reaction. And then she said, um, you know, it, it threatened to kill me and I feel it grabbing my heart. And this is just a regular composition doll from the turn of the century. And at that moment that she was saying that, I clearly heard a male voice saying, I'm going to kill you, you bitch. 
And then that's when she said, you know, it feels like he's grabbing my heart. And that's when I realized something might be going, you know, there might be some truth to, you know, Kathy's claims. Yeah. Now, after that, I uh, was um, visiting with a friend of mine and she said, what are you up to? And I, you know, told her, I have this doll. I didn't say it was haunted. I said, I have this doll and it has an interesting history. And she worked at a, at a um, coffee shop and she said, well, why don't you bring it by after work? You know, I'd like to take a look at it. So I did. She had several of her friends. I pulled out the doll and they all pulled out crystals. And I was just like, wow, I guess she told him more than, you know, I might've thought she would. And, you know, after, you know, I showed them the doll, I said, you know, why do all of you, you know, pull out crystals? And they all agreed. They said, the energy from that doll is sickly. And one guy said, you know, I didn't know anything about the doll, but when I saw it, you know, I felt I needed to pull it out for protection. And I listened to the the recordings then, and there was this loud buzzing sound. And underneath it, I could hear, you know, this very angry voice, you know. And I realized that the buzzing sound I was hearing was coming from the crystals. And my friend, uh, her name was Rachel, afterwards said, you know, it feels like there is some kind of spirit trapped in the doll. And I was like, trapped in a doll? How the hell does that work? She goes, I don't know. It's just what I felt. So anyway, fast forward, because there's a lot to the story. Yep. Hold on. Wait, hold it. Hold it right there. I have to go back and ask you some questions about the because your your friend is really interesting. Um, I'm assuming that, okay, your sister, I'm on. I need to go back to your sister because your sister had that picture where I guess that's where you first realize, okay, there's might be something to this paranormal type stuff, because you 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 saw the picture of the guy with a mask on and he clearly had no pupils. Oh, yeah, she was a nurse. And and she, was a, th- she wasn't my sister. She was a nurse. She was a nurse. Okay. And so the eyes were totally black is what you're saying. Right. Okay. Right. Had, did you show you, I mean, do you still have that picture? That's my first question. Do you still have that or no? I'm hoping I hired somebody a few months ago to arrange the storage unit and I set it aside, but uh, talking to her subsequent to, you know, everything going down. She threw a lot of stuff away I did not want thrown away. Okay. And I'm hoping, and this is in Denver again, so I really haven't taken a look. She can't remember if she has it or not. But, yeah, I mean, it was – I put it on the Internet at one point, and so I'm sure I could dig it up. Because I'd like to see it if you have it. Can you send it to me so I can post it? I will. Um, yeah, no, oh, I will. Oh, thank you very much. And also, um, did you ever have this clair- your clairvoyant friend? Did she ever see the picture and give you uh, some type of reading or tell you what she saw or what that was exactly in that picture? No, actually, she, she didn't. Okay. And, go ahead. Oh, no. Okay. And also, <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about, um, before you go into more of some things that are going on with uh, Harold, some some of the tests, some other tests that you run, because I'm not familiar with how people test haunted objects. Mm-hmm. I know that you're using a recorder, I'm assuming. Is it a digital recorder? 
Is that what you're it using? It was a digital recorder. Got you. Yes. And what else do you use when you go to test and see if those objects are holding some type of energy? What else do you do besides the recording? And I'm no longer doing active investigations because, <clears throat> in all honesty, I became obsessed uh, with figuring out what was going on with the doll. At the time, it was primarily EMF meters, um, I used a um, geomagnetometer as well, uh, which would measure um, the magnetic fields around an object. It was literally, people use it to measure magnetic fields from the earth. I use EMF meters. I use a natural EM uh, meter, um, one-chested uh, magnetic fields or um, electronic fields that are man-made. And then the natural EM, again, measured the um, magnetic fields from the earth. Uh, I use photography. Now, that's interesting. Did you get anything, you know, kind of that shocked you using the photography? And, and, and did you put it in, like, darkness, I'm wondering? Did you photograph these objects, like, in total darkness or... Oh, I did. I yeah. did all that. Good you did. did you get anything? Yeah. Did you get anything? Not really. I mean, not you know, nothing that would curl your toes. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there were times when, you know, you'd see what looked like orbs, but, you know, in all honesty, I'm an open-minded skeptic, even when I was doing this stuff. And, you know, in my mind, it could have easily been dust in the air, even though it was dark. So... Um, let's see what else. Oh, um, an ion meter, uh, which measured ions around an object, you know, that sort of thing. I mean, I was pretty heavily invested in equipment at that, you know, particular, at that particular time. I've become even more so uh, a little bit later. What about EVP stuff? Thought, EVPs, did you do that? Without oh yeah, just... I did EVPs. I never did anything with the doll that I didn't record. Got you. So I was constantly recording. Is the, okay, so the doll is the most active of all the objects that you've collected thus far? Yeah. Yeah, in fact, I wouldn't even refer to it as haunted, to be honest with you, because a man who was uh, trained by the Vatican to, um, you know, explore or assist or whatever, um, a bishop who had, you know, asked for him to determine if an object, you know, really was active was telling me that the average object, you know, if it's a clock, if it's a doll, if it's, um, you know, a watch, whatever, if it's truly haunted, it would have a radius of, of affect of a, up to 15 to 20 feet. So, in other words, if you stepped out of the range of 20 feet, um, you know, you wouldn't feel any effects from it. This particular doll, this is what baffled him, and he had no explanation for it. By the time I talked to him, this doll was affecting people literally around the world while it sat next to me in Denver, Colorado. So... Like you know, what? For a, like how? For give us a for instance. I mean, you told me about the uh, the post office and things like. I mean, tell me some other ways right. and some other places where people feel like the doll had some influence 
over them or their lives? Well, one day I was talking to a friend of mine who lives in uh, Long Island, New York. And, and I have this all, I have this all in my book. She was saying, you know, what you could do is you should talk to a strega. And I said, well, what's a strega? She said, an Italian witch. And I'm thinking, how in the heck does she think I know an Italian witch? Right. Right. And I said to her, I, let me guess, you know a strega? And she said, well, my grandmother was a strega. And I said, but do you know a strega now? And, you know, she said, no. And then she started taunting the doll over the phone. And I kept saying, because by this time I'd had a lot of experience with an attack. At one point, uh, for a year after I had it, I'd show it to people and, you know, they'd start complaining about this and that. And somebody said to me, why hasn't a doll hurt you? And I said, because I have a gallon of holy water, lifetime supply of holy water, and uh, it knows better. And that night I was playing a game on my Xbox and I stood up and immediately collapsed to the floor and literally had to get around by pushing myself onto the back of the chair and moving. It was like, you know, a makeshift uh, wheelchair. Anyway, I went to see my physician and he asked me what was wrong. And I said, you know, I got up last night, fell to the floor. I went for a walk this morning, collapsed onto the ground. And, you know, I'd like to get an MRI. And, you know, the doctors being doctors, they don't like, you know, recommending for something that's going to cost money. And he said, well, you probably just strained it. So anyway, I went back a month later and I did so for a total of four or five months. And he said, look, Anthony, and he said, um, you know, what do you think you did? And I said, I think I tore my meniscus. Now, in all honesty, I'd never said the word meniscus before. I don't even know that I'd heard the word meniscus. It just came out of my mouth. So I said, I think I tore my meniscus. He said, well, Anthony, if you would have torn your meniscus, you know, when you go for walks, you'd be, you know, falling to the ground. And I said, I guess you missed that. First time I told you about this. Well, he ordered an MRI and called me when it came in and told me he had already talked to an orthopedic surgeon about seeing me because the, you know, the chair was so bad that he felt I couldn't, you know, walk on it um, much longer. So anyway, I got that repaired. And that was a few years before I was talking to my friend Lori in um, Long Island. And, you know, she started taunting, as I was saying, the doll over the phone. And I kept saying, if I were you, you know, you need to cool your jets. You really do, because something, you know, might happen if, you you know, you piss them off. And she said, you know, what's the dog going to do? You're in Denver. I'm in New York. You know, tell him to give it his best shot. <clears throat> well, a few hours later, um, she messaged me that something was going on in their house. So I called her and she, you know said she was on her computer. They heard a crash. She and her dog, Blue, it was a 165-pound bull mastiff, if I'm not mistaken. Um, 
heard a crash in the kitchen. Blue got up, ran into the kitchen, yelped as though they were being hurt, being murdered is how she put it. Came running out, curled up on the floor underneath her. Its ears laid back, its tail between its legs, and it was shivering. And, you know, she's like, Anthony, what's going on? And, you know, she started, you know, telling me all kinds of different things that were happening. Things were falling off shelves. Um, and at one point, I called her back and I said, you know, where are you? She said, I'm in my bathroom. And I said, where's Blue? She said, he's outside the door. And I said, well, let him in. And um, she let him in and she was telling me how scared she was. And uh, she's like, Anthony, do you think it's Harold? I said, well, you know, I tried to warn you. And then the next morning, I had this huge long message on uh, Facebook Messenger, which I recreated in my book, Harold the Haunted Doll. And she talked about how the entire night she could hear a male voice talking in her ear. And at one point, it said, she said, that the voice said, Anthony thinks I'm trapped in the doll, but if I were, you know, how could I be here talking to you? And then she said that the voice said, ask Anthony if he'll give you the doll. And I said to her, I want you to think about this. If he's not trapped in the doll, why does he want me to give you the doll? And she's like, well, that makes sense. So then the last thing I heard from her was, uh, she was going to go to church and, you know, talk to a priest. And I never heard from her again. And again, I was oh, in wow. Denver. She was in New York. And she was absolutely wigged out that the doll actually came to visit her in New York, in Long Island. And you guys were friends before this happened? Yes. Wow. Yes. Is she the and only like one I that's said, ever... I never heard from her again. You haven't heard from her again. That She must have been, like, no. scared... To death. Oh, she was. To death. Um, she was. Is that the only time that's happened? I mean, she, I'm talking about, I mean, come on. Why would she do that? You know, taunt the doll. That's just crazy. Um, well, she just didn't believe it. Yeah, she didn't believe it. Right, right, right. Just, right. That's not the way you find out, though, you know. I think she knows right. that now. Um, I mean, you know, is that the only time it's happened? No. I've heard from people in countries I didn't even know existed who would say, I was looking at, you know, your blog, I was looking at a picture, this happened, that happened. Um, there was a woman in Tasmania, uh, you know, Australia, who developed an interest in the doll. And she asked me if, you know, I would mind if she helped research it. And I'd never met this one. We'd only talked over Messenger. And um, I said, sure, go ahead. You know, let me know what you find out. And then she wrote to me, you know, saying her son was complaining of seeing a, quote, ghost. And, I mean, literally her son, I can't remember how, how old her son yeah, was. How, I think he was 12. My next question, how old was he? Yeah, I think he was 12 at the time. Okay. And <clears throat> anyway, you know, the doll, I mean, her son kept freaking out. And one day she was in the shower and she said out loud, look, I'll tell you what. I will stop what I'm doing researching you if you'll agree to stop harassing my son. And she stopped, you know, doing the research. And, um, 
he stopped complaining. In the meantime, somebody in the UK wanted to start creating uh, YouTube videos about paranormal experiences. And these two were friends. This guy in the UK and the woman in Tasmania were friends. And she said, have you heard of Harold the Haunted Doll? And he said, no. And so she told her her experiences with the doll. And he contacted me and you know told me what he wanted to do and said, would you mind if I make a video about the doll? And I said, sure, you know, if that's what you want to do, but I've got to tell you something. There may be consequences to you doing this. And so he was gathering up information and he shot a video. And <clears throat> that night he was talking to his wife about who is going to put who into bed. He had two kids, a little girl and a little boy. And I think the girl was six and the boy was five. And as he's talking to her at the top of the stairs, he looked down and he saw his, his daughter go out their back door and his son wave at her, close the door and, you know, go back into the bedroom. Well, they were supposed to be playing. He ran down the stairs and was heading out the back door when he looked to his right and he saw his daughter and his son playing in uh, the bedroom. And he went and he opened the door and he looked around and he didn't see anybody. So he came back and he asked, you know, if his daughter had left. She said, you know, no, she hadn't. And his son said, no, she hadn't. And the crazy part is, is that his wife, when he heard, um, when she heard him shout, you know, what are you doing? Came running to the top of the stairs, looked down in time to see their daughter going out the back door too, and their son waving. So, um, and in fact, he has a YouTube video about this on YouTube. And I think it's entitled, I Was Warned. And uh, several other things started happening. And again, he was in the UK. Um, so he was basically seeing them in places where they actually weren't. Right. Wow. And um, I mean, I've got so many of these stories. It's crazy. <laughs> what? Okay, let me ask you something. Where do you keep the doll? Do you is Does he have his own little cabinet or display case or no actually if you ever saw the movie the um ghost adventures uh the ghost adventures crew uh episode where they take the doll to the island of the dolls in mexico you see that zach is carrying a black bag and uh he's been in that black bag for years and he's still here in that black bag as i mentioned to you when we first started talking i am in a motel room at this point and he's probably five feet away from me at this point in the bag. Oh, really? So Zach took him to the, why did Zach, so I know where that island is. You know, I've heard about it. It's so creepy. Um, why did Zach want to take the doll there? Well, he wanted to go to, I, it all started. I did a um, radio interview with Dave Schrader of uh, Darkness Radio. And we were talking about the doll. And I don't know whether Dave took it seriously or not, and I really didn't care. But a couple of weeks later, he called me and told me that 
uh, the Ghost Adventures crew wanted to go down to Island of the Dolls, and they wanted to bring a doll with them. And actually, Dave said that um, Vegans wanted to bring Robert the doll from Florida. And and uh, Schrader said to him, you're crazy if you think that, you know, they're going to let him out or let him, you know, out of their sight. But I do know the owner of uh, Harold the Haunted Doll. I can talk to him and see if he'd be open to it. So then he contacted me and told me that, you know, Zach was wanting to bring a haunted doll down to the island of the dolls. And would I be interested? Well, I spent about two weeks, you know, talking to people who knew them personally. Um, I talked to one of their producers and I told him stories that were going on. Um, and I, I literally said to him, you know, if he's going to treat this as a joke or as a prop, there will be hell to pay. And, and uh, the producer said, oh, no, no, he's aware of the reputation of the doll. He'll treat it with respect. And finally, I agreed to go ahead and do it. And I shipped it over to New York and they took it down with them. But that's why, because, you know, he's going to a place that's supposedly filled with haunted dolls and he wanted to bring a doll of his own. I agreed because I was hoping he would do a an investigation with all their, you know, equipment that they usually use. Which, if you watch the episode, didn't happen. And what did they do with it? And did anything significant happen with Harold while he was down, down Well, there? they they took it to, uh, before they went to the island. No, was it before? I know it was, might have been after they went to the island. They took the doll to see a, quote, psychic medium that lived in Mexico City. And up until this point, I'm watching the show for the first time with everybody else. Uh, they wouldn't tell me what happened, although the producers said, Harold's a star. He did great, you know, and all this other stuff. And he said, we couldn't be more pleased. So I'm watching this whole thing. And I had a slow boil going on because of a number of things. For instance, um, Vegans told the other guys, you know, if you look into the doll's eyes, you'll develop brain cancer. And I'm thinking, where in the hell did that come from, right? Because I had been spending years trying to correct all the nonsense from the first listing, which I knew was utter BS. And I bought the doll knowing it was utter BS. And I've been trying for years to convince everybody it was utter BS. But people would rather believe a lie. Anyway, bottom line is um, he took the doll to a psychic medium in in Mexico City, and she said, there are five spirits in the doll. And I remember, you know, saying out loud to my friends who were watching with me, five, I'm only aware of one. And so I wrote her off. And then he brought the doll, they brought the doll to the island. Um, apparently at one point, a fire spontaneously broke out in a fire pit while nobody was standing next to it. Um, let's see, what are some of the other things? Significantly, as uh, Zach was opening up the bag, they um, heard what sounded like a cat fight break out. And anyway, he opened up the bag, he pulled the doll out, and I'm recalling this from memory. I haven't watched this episode in years. He pulled the doll out, and one of the dolls in the shack started laughing. And when they finally pinpointed, you know, which doll it was, 
it had no batteries. It had no way, you know, to be laughing. And as I was telling you that, it reminded me of the day it was supposed to air. My friend Camille and I, um, I was staying in a hotel in Denver. I've stayed in a lot of hotels <laughs> in my life. And we were leaving to go get a coffee. And all of a sudden we heard, both of us heard what sounded like a witch's cackle. I spun around. There were two girls uh, sitting there. And I thought, well, you know, they must have a doll. I walked up to them. And one of the girls said she heard the witch's cackle. The other girl said she didn't. I went up to the guest at the front desk. None of them had a doll. Couldn't find a doll anywhere. And so to hear that doll, that witch's cackle during the day, and then to see it played out in the shack at night, you know, kind of in my mind was a little disturbing. Yeah, that's crazy. There were a few other things that happened. I don't really remember off the top of my head what they were. So Zach, but, Zach had the doll with him. I mean, he was he the only one that carried the yes. doll? Okay. Yes. And, um, oh, at one point, after they saw the medium, he felt something on his arm, and he looked down, and there were, like, three what looked like fingerprints of a baby doll on his arm, on his left arm. And I did tell them I was really concerned and, you know, to handle the glove, the, the doll with kid gloves because its left arm was coming off. It's still attached, but it was coming off at the time. And I also told them that just a few nights before I was telling them, you know, to be careful with the doll. A woman in Australia who, again, was doing research on opposition dolls, specifically hoping to, you know, let me know when that doll was made. Um, was on her computer, and her husband said, you know, why don't you stop doing that? Let's go outside and have a smoke. So they went into their their um, garage, and they were standing there talking, and the lights that were lighting up the garage were directly in front of them. But they could see what they called a shadow figure standing on the other side of the car. Her husband pulled mm -hmm. out his camera, took a picture, and as soon as he took the picture, or as, as soon as he tried to take the picture, they ran off to the left, stopped and stared at them. He took another picture and screamed. And she said, what's wrong? And he said, it feels like my left arm is being yanked or is being ripped out of its socket. And so I told him that story. And then, you know, when Zach, and you can see the, you know, you can see it on, on the video or on the episode. There are three little marks on his hand. It looked like it could have been made with fingers. And he did bring up the fact that, you know, I was worried about the doll's left arm. Wow. So, uh, has anyone, uh, Anthony, ever witnessed a doll moving or maybe objects moving on their own, you know, on their very own, nobody touching them with the doll in the same room? Has Or have you ever witnessed that? That's a great question, and my favorite answer to that came from Cassie, the woman I bought the doll from. She said, Harold doesn't move. He just sits there and hurts people. Mm. That's chilling. Have you ever been scared of it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, actually, up until just a few months ago, but, you know, I'll talk about that, um, you know, towards the close of the show. But before that, oh, my God, yeah, I was – you know, I was at the same time terrified 
but I kept it all with me wherever I went, no matter where I went. I mean, I, I've been literally all around the United States trying to find help and talking to, you know, Catholic priests and whatnot, and to Australia a couple, three times with the doll. And, you know, people were always like, you know, why do you bring the doll with you? It's because anytime somebody reported to me that they felt they had been attacked, one thing I learned was that the doll did respond to religious provocation, i.e. holy water. So if somebody would tell me, you know, they believe they were being attacked, I, you know, would tell them, you know, keep talking. And unbeknownst to them, I'd take out the holy water, sprinkle the doll, and then after a few minutes, I'd say, you know, how are you doing now? And they'd be, oh, my God, I'm much better now. Um, but you went to priests to get help yes. with the doll. And what do they tell you? Yes. What do they do besides the holy water? Are they praying over it or telling you to get rid of it? What are they doing? Oh, I mean, I've been told to get rid of it. I don't know how many times. Um but uh, normally, typically, like, I, I'll never forget this one guy in uh, Massachusetts. You know, when I was telling him the story, you could just see the skepticism all over his face. <laughs> and, you know, I started showing him the evidence I'd collected, right? And I'm not saying any of this without evidence. In fact, in my book, I think there's like 22, 23, 24 pages of evidence in my book uh, regarding the doll. But I started showing him the evidence and all of a sudden you could see his face go from skepticism to utter fear. And, you know, as he was like, wow, you know, this guy, you know, really means what he says. And I had somebody with me and, you know, he said, well, you know, I'll talk to, you know, my fellow priest and we'll pray for you. We'll say a mass for you. Um, and, you know, basically good luck. And my friend said, well, while he's, you know, researching the doll, can he leave the, um, you know, the doll here until, you know, he's ready to leave Massachusetts? And this guy held out both his hands and screamed, no! <laughs> wow. Thank you for listening. I invite you to follow my other podcast, Mysterious Radio. Please share this show with others that are interested in the paranormal. I want to give a special thanks to our co-creator and executive producer, Kim Kyle, who brought this show to you today. And working hard behind the scenes, our team of four, I want to thank them as well. I am your host, K-Town, and you're listening to Paranormal Fears. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.